you're providing similar businesses to other people in that same industry as you, what can you do different than anybody else? This is The Eric Hammond Show. Thanks for joining along each week as we uncover tips and strategies to help you grow your business through social media efforts like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and many other platforms. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks again for being here every single Monday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific. I think life like creates these opportunities for you because this weekend I was dying of this cold, could hardly talk, and then this morning I woke up and boom, I'm ready to go again. So happy to be here with you guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to better yourself and grow your business and just do more with the fantastic tools that are out there. Again, this guy, this show is all about answering your guys' four questions. We've got some great ones today. Talking about documenting, talking about creating content, camera tips, which I'm excited about. And uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, thanks for being here. So as always, let's roll it out with question number one, which says, do you think it is effective to have personal and business social media accounts while running your business? So here's the suggestion I have. If you don't follow me, you need to follow me because everything that I try to instill upon you guys and show our clients what to do and help you guys see how to do things better, I'm trying to do myself, right? Like I am not a million follower subscriber yet. Like I don't have a million subscribers. I don't have a million fans. I don't have a million anything. Hoping for that one day, but I want to show you guys along the way what it takes to get there And I want to show you how to do it so that you guys can implement the same things in your business So the answer is yes 100% I have a personal account on Facebook Which every one of you has to have if you're on Facebook and just remember this concept applies to everything Not just Facebook, but Instagram Twitter snapchat everything that you do needs to have this same strategy Okay, the only tweak I think would be YouTube and I'll get to that specifically when we get there But everything else besides YouTube keep the same strategy. So have your personal account because you probably have to have a personal account to set up your account in the first place and keep that to, you know, friends and family, people close by. I think that it's the easiest place to just get people to follow you because most of the groups that you're going to join are going to be on your personal account. And it's just easy to like people see your comments and like, Oh, I got to follow that person. They're cool. And I like what they have to say. Right. But I got a quick switch strategy for you to, to change that. So you get more followers on these other pages. So have your personal page and then have a business page like with your business. Right. So if it's a real estate company, you know, ABC real estate, that needs to be the business page on Facebook or Instagram or whatever platform you're thinking about. And then you also need to have a branded page. Okay. So we have my personal page, which I follow and you're welcome to follow me there. I try to keep my followers pretty limited just so I can keep it the close people that I know and want to communicate with because I know the organic reach is not big. So if I pack it full of 5,000 people, the people that I want to see that content aren't. So keep that moderated. And then I also have our orange stack Facebook page, which is our business page, which is where we roll things through around here. That's our business. So the business page of the orange stack. So check that out. And then the other page, which is the one we're broadcasting on this show is the Eric Hammond brand page, right? So I have business brand page, the orange stack, and I have personal brand page, Eric Hammond. So why, right? The question is, why do I need so many pages? I meet so many small business owners who are like, look, it's a struggle just for me to be on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere, yet alone having to run all these other social media accounts. So here's the reason why. Number one, as a person, you are tapped out at five 
5,000 followers. And I know most of you are like, look, I'm at like 300 or 1,500 or 2,000 right now. I'm never going to get to 5,000. Someday you will. Someday you're going to get more popular. Someday more people are going to want to follow you. It just happens. The average personal account right now has about 200, I think, and 75 followers. So most of you guys aren't even close there. That's okay. What happens though is that as you gain more virality and popularity, you're going to realize that you're tapped out. So a lot of the clients that we work with have 4,998 followers and they can't do anything else. Like they can't add any more friends. You know, let's say they meet a new friend or somebody else comes in their life and they want to follow them. They can't. They're tapped out at that 5,000 number. So you've got to delete somebody to add somebody. The nice thing about a branded page, I call it a celebrity page. I know you guys aren't all celebrities, but for me on my business branded page of the Eric Hammond, I can have an unlimited amount of followers. I could have 10 million if I ever got to that point, right? So there's no limit. So here's the strategy. Use your personal page for your personal stuff. If you want to just block it to personal people that you know, you know, all that kind of stuff, do that. There's plenty of people that I know who are like, I don't want people to see my family on social media. Put all your family stuff on that personal page and, and then block it so nobody else can see it. Okay. But you still need to be a human being. And the reason why is because people follow people. They don't always follow business. If you are going to follow business, you're probably following it because of the way that it makes you feel, right? There's been a lot of commercials lately who have evoked a lot of emotion from a business standpoint. But if you really come down to think of it, it's the person on the other side of that commercial or that brand that you're really connecting to. There's a couple of commercials. I wish I could play here in the replay uh, to show you guys what I'm talking about. But I just wanted to let you know, like when you connect to the business, you're you're not following that business because of the business. You're following that business because of how it makes you feel personally. But for the most part, you follow people, right? You follow people because you're connecting the people and that's how businesses are built. People connecting the people. So you need your personal brand to be a person and you need your business brand to be the business and show everything that that business is doing. And your personal brand should show everything that you're doing as a human being. Obviously, if you want to cut your family out of that and not show them, totally understand. Your vlog should be posted here. Your day in and out should be posted here. Your stories should be posted here. What you're doing in the morning should be posted here. Like your work life balance should be posted here. What you're doing on the weekends, if you want to get that exposed, should be here. People are going to want to follow you because they love you and they like you and they trust you and they want to get to know you better, right? Like look at the big guys that are on social media a lot, right? Like all the guys from Shark Tank, they all have a personal brand that they put all their content on. Guys like Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone or Gary Vee or Tom Ferry or any of these big name celebrities, they have a branded personal account that can grow as big as it needs to and they put their whole life out there. So if you're trying to get exposure and you're trying to be an influencer in this world, that's the route you need to go. So I would say 95% of the content that we produce around here happens through my Eric Hammond brand page. And then obviously whatever the business puts out there as far as teaching guys how to use social media or teaching guys how to run your business better, that all comes from the Orange Stacks Facebook page or any of the Orange Stacks social media accounts. But for me, like right now, you guys are asking me questions. You're not asking the business questions. So I'm answering these questions on my personal account, right? Hopefully that makes sense. So you need a personal brand, you need a business brand, and then you also need that personal account just to set these up and to just kind of keep that to the side. Again, same goes with Instagram, Twitter, all those kind of things. Have business brand, have a personal brand. But now when it comes to YouTube, okay? So there is really no need to have a personal YouTube account unless you want to just store like family videos and stuff. Like I do have a personal YouTube account where I just keep stuff that I just want to keep track of my kids, my wife, like things that I don't want the world to see that are just unlisted private videos, okay? So there's that aspect of it, but you don't need one. 
Uh, but what you do need to is create a business and a personal brand on YouTube. So your business should be producing content. You know, like, why do you guys do what you do? What is it that you guys do? Answering the questions that maybe your clients have about your business. You know, how does it help me? How does the product work? What do I do if I get stuck? Like, how does this part work? Teaching your clients how to use your product is what that business YouTube page should be, what it's all about. On the personal side of things on YouTube, again, document your stuff. This is where your vlog's gonna be uploaded. This is where any personal content that you wanna like distribute about you, kind of build yourself up, uh, that's the place to post it. And everyone asks like, why do I need a personal account when it comes to personal business? Like everything that I do is through my business. Like I live and breathe my business. Totally agree. Everything that I do around here 24 seven has to do with my business and helping my business grow. But huge but on the side here, someday you might shift industries and might be somewhere else. What? Let's say I sell my, my business someday and I'm not part of that anymore, right? Like let's say you're a real estate agent or an insurance agent, or you have a dental office or whatever it is, you're in that industry. If you ever part ways that business, you might want to sell it. You might want to dissolve it. You might want to do something else in life. Like things come up when you're 50 or 60, you might say, you know what? That was great. And it supported my life, but here's a new route that I want to go. You probably want some type of a personal brand to fall back on. So I can take my personal brand at any time and go start up a whole nother industry of business. And you guys are going to follow me and know exactly who I am. So always have that personal brand that you can take anywhere you go, right? Here's a good example. I was just thinking about him earlier today, David Letterman, right? Like he had a show. It was the late show. He did his thing. And then he quit and he retired, but then he started up a new Netflix show. I think it's like my next guest is or something like that. I just saw a commercial for it on Netflix. So he's taken what he's done and he's doing something else. His personal brand is Dave Letterman, right? Like if they just would have branded a show called The Late Show and Dave's name was never mentioned and you had no idea who David Letterman was, when he walked away from that show and tried to start something new, nobody would recognize that name, The David Letterman Show. So you got to build your personal brand everywhere you go. You never know in this life where you're going to take it, what you're going to do with it. So always be building your personal brand. That's the goal. So business brand, personal brand, and then on the side, that personal account, just to set up the account on those systems as well. Okay. Hopefully that answers that question. That was a good, good question. Lots of details there. Question number two, how much content should you personally be putting out while knowing that the large majority of your audience may not have the same taste as you? Ooh, that's a good question too. This is like going down the line of, do I walk the line of the fence and keep everybody PC and everybody happy and never really get detailed in my answers? Or do I pick a side of the fence and say, I'm this religion or I'm this type of politics or this is the way that I believe and the rest of you guys, tough luck. This is the tough one because I know a lot of you guys are going to want to stay on the fence and I know that you're going to want to just, you know, give the happy middle of the road answer. Just like right now, I could say, stay true to yourself and just, you know, pick that middle of the road and make everybody happy and never really have an opinion. But the problem is when you don't have an opinion, you're not really speaking to anybody. If I pick sides, if I pick, you know, Republican versus Democrat, or if I pick, you know, Christian versus non-Christian, or if I pick some type of belief, I know that I'm going to offend one side or the other by going deeper on that route. But what happens is when you pick the route that you go and you decide this is who I'm following, now you have those guys who are going to love you, like you trust you, go deeper and deeper. And these other guys are going to be like, well, I'm out. I'm not interested. That's okay. You don't want everyone to be your friend. You want true diehard followers, right? So you got to decide what am I going to go hard on? Maybe there's some things that you don't get into. Like I don't get into religion and politics around here because I just don't. I don't want to offend you guys. It's not something that I talk about. So I don't talk about it. But when it comes to the business aspect of things, I have a hard answer. Some people will say, you know, do I create video or do I create a, a written text like a blog? And I could be of a happy answer and say, you know what, do both. They both work, whatever makes you happy. But beyond all in honesty here, the best response is to create video. Video is always going to have a better impact right now, at least not always, I guess. So right now, video has a better impact than written blogs. So I would say if you're going to choose one or the other, do written. Does that make sense? So draw your line in the sand 
stand and say, this is where I believe I need to create content for my audience. And this is what I believe that they want to hear. And this is who I'm speaking to. And if there's people in that group who get offended because of my beliefs, they're going to leave anyway, right? They self opt out, out, self opt out. Yeah, they're out. And they chose to because they didn't follow your beliefs. That's okay. You're going to build stronger relationships with the people that you're building content with when you go deeper on the content that you're creating. If you just tiptoe around the top and you're always at that 30,000 foot view and you don't go deep into uh, the details of your answer or the details of your content, then you're never going to really truly build any type of a following. So know where that line in the sand is and what side you stand on and go deep on that content. It's a pretty short answer, but I don't really have anything else to say besides you got to pick your audience. I wish there was a little bit more context to this to find out like what what they might be going deeper into. Just realize you got to build your audience. You got to decide who you are. You know, and here's the other thing. Let's just say you have a thousand followers right now and you're like, okay, I took Eric's advice and I'm going down this route and I decided that this is what I want to go deeper on or this is what I want to talk about or these are the personal opinions that I want to share with people. You're going to offend people no matter what, right? You may offend 90% of that audience and end up with a hundred followers or you may only offend 10 of them and have 990 people left. I don't know. But the people that you're going to have left are going to be, again, just diehard followers who are going to love you share your content and bring more followers who believe on that same path. If you believe the less common thing, right? If you're the the minority in that belief, you're going to lose followers because there's a good majority of people that are following you right now who may not stick around because of the beliefs that you have to share. But that doesn't mean that you need to change your ways. It's just that's who you are. And you got to realize that maybe I've picked such a minority interest and I'm going to offend people. And that's just how it goes. You've just got to accept that. And, And again, when you go deeper on that and you get better followers because of that and you bring in a close following and you have have devoted fans, you can sell them anything. And it's not about the sales. It's just about building a better relationship with those people. So that's what I would suggest. Go deeper, figure out your your voice, your mantra, and uh, and stick with it. Okay. Question number three. Do you have any tips on being in front of a camera when it comes to documenting your life? How did you become so comfortable with it? Okay. So I started out looking at this little camera on my phone and I would just talk to it, right? Like most people look at the screen and not the little hole where the camera actually is. And so you're going to see a lot of this going on, right? As I'm trying to over dramatic here, you're going to look over to the side at the screen and you're going to be consciously aware of how you look and, and where your face is situated and, and how everything is going. Mine right now is like way over here. Like I have to look right here to see what I look at on the screen because right now there's an image of it. So for me in the past, it was so hard not to look over here and, and constantly thinking like, oh, am I in the right frame? Am I standing tall? Am I doing my thing? Is my posture right? You know, is there anything hanging out of my nose? I have something stuck in my teeth. So that can get overwhelming. So one of the things I would suggest is you have a camera on on the back side of your phone that you can't see. Like there's no lens on this or there's no screen on this side, you know, dual sided cameras. I would film everything on the other side. So it helps to have somebody who can monitor to make sure that you're in the frame. But once you're like your setup, like this camera right now that's filming me, I know that I'm in the frame. I know that as long as I stick within the boundaries of this table and I don't, you know, get any taller, I'm good. So I don't have to worry about that. Like I can move around and I can move my hands as long as I'm looking at you guys, the audience, you guys are going to pay attention and it's going to be more relatable. If I'm looking down and I'm not confident, and I'm, you know, kind of unsure of myself, that's going to come across too. So look at that little lens there and be confident in what you're saying. So line it up, make sure that it is good. Know like where you can move. I put mine on a tripod when I am filming on a camera, just so I know that it's going to stay still. And then after a while and you're more comfortable, then maybe you do want to hold like the selfie stick and have it look back at you just to kind of get some more interaction. And it's kind of fun to see like what's going on on screen. Cause sometimes you'll be live and people will be commenting or, or making notes or, or asking questions or things like that. So you want to be able to 
address those. But really when it comes down to confidence, for me, it's it's knowing your message, right? So ahead of time, I've got these four questions asked and I know typically in my mind like where I'm going to go. Some of these I try to not prepare a ton for because I, I've got to just kind of let the feeling come out where it is that day. And if you had to ask me some of these questions in another month from now, some of my answers might change. But that's the beauty of, of my content is that it evolves around what I'm learning and knowing. So my point is, is be confident, know your answers. If you're going to get up and talk about something for 30 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is, know what you're going to say, have an outline. When I would start my shows back in the day, so we're on episode number 112 of Facebook Friday, which is like two and a half years of content for my Friday show. When I would start out, I'd usually print out a half sheet of paper, I'd fold it up and I'd just kind of hold it like this on the side. And I would kind of have an outline of what I wanted to cover. It wasn't a question and answer show, it was just me delivering content. And I often can get sideways and drift all over the place in my content. So to keep me organized and on subject and on point, I would kind of have a guide of where I wanted to stick to subject. So if you need something to guide you to that point, like you don't want something that you're going to read because if you're reading, then you're going back and forth and you're looking like this and it just looks weird, right? Like if you've seen commercials from people who are reading the content, it just doesn't feel natural. You want to just be able to talk and to riff and kind of give your, your pace. Know your content, know what you're going to say, have the outline of your structure. You should have kind of like, okay, at this point in the time, I'm going to get to that subject. You should know if you're going to give a 10 minute speech, like how long that needs to be. There's a lot of coordination in this. This isn't something that you can just jump up and, and do the first time. Maybe you are talented enough to do that, but for the most part, you're going to be all over the place. There's going to be lots of ums. You're going to be distracted with your stories. Your stories are going to have maybe not relevant purpose in the content that you're sharing. So planning these things out, even in the outline of saying, you know, let's say we want to talk about uh, for example, documenting your journey, I would have a couple key stories that I want to tell along the lines. So that way, when my mind gets to that point of the story, I can just recall that story and be able to tell it. And, and it's going to help support the whole message that I'm trying to say. So the other side of it is it just takes time. Some of you guys are just going to be able to wing it. And there's some natural camera people out there. For the most part, most of you guys are not going to be there. And it's okay. The first the first ones are the worst ones. I always tell people that I think the first 20 are probably your hardest pieces of content to make. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients who I help them get through that first video or five videos or 10 videos and they're just awkward. You know, you guys struggle with it. You're just kind of there talking like this and it gets really strange. So you just got to get through it. Like you just got to make your first bunch and hate them, but you know that they're going to get better. Leave them there because it's going to remind you of where you came from. It's also going to show people that you're improving and that you're getting better. For the most part, they're not going to go back to the archives of time and find out what your first, you know, shows were like and, and what you did. Most of our views come from the most recent stuff, you know, and, and things that are relevant to them and their searching patterns. So know your content, just get through the ugly ones, uh, prepare for it. And then my last suggestion would be to take a public speaking course if you can. So there's a great group, which I signed up for. I think I did like a, maybe it was a year. I can't remember. I did it on and off because I had some struggles, but my goal was to do it for six months. And I think I extended for a little bit. I didn't show up for the full 12 months total, but it was called Toastmasters. And, and I'm sure many of you have heard of it. It's basically a once a week morning. I think it's like an hour and a half, maybe two hours long. And it's basically there to help you become better at speaking publicly. So every couple of weeks, you're assigned to get up and, and speak on a random subject for a lot of it. Just here you go. Here's three minutes. Go. And, and you're judged by all your peers. Uh, you're given awards for doing well. Usually you have three people that you're competing with. Sometimes you're trying to sell something. Sometimes you're just trying to pitch your own self. Sometimes you're just trying to introduce yourself. Sometimes it'll be like, here's a topic. Uh, let's talk about, you know, politics go. And, and you just got to kind of run with it. So it's definitely an off the cuff 
thing and it gets you very comfortable with speaking in front of people. Because again, these aren't your peers and friends. They're just 20 to 40 random strangers that you meet with and get to know over time. But day number one, they have you speak. And I think that's the beauty of it. So I don't want to scare you away from going to it. But day number one, at least the one that I joined, they had me get up and talk for two minutes. And I'd spoken before. It wasn't the first time that I had publicly addressed people. So I was familiar with the how to do it and, and some of the things that I would say. But just be prepared that you're going to have to talk the first time that you show up and introduce yourself and all that. So it's a good experience. But join a Toastmaster, like toast, like the piece of bread masters, like you're toasting. And it's like probably 50 bucks for six months. So it's not that expensive. It's definitely worth it. Even if you only go a couple times just to kind of get the pattern and, and what they teach you out of it. Great, great program. And I would say it's helped me get rid of a lot of the ums and random pauses and misdirection that my stories often go. So it'll help you get better at telling your stories. <laughs> I think that that's important too. Okay. So there's another thing I try to get rid of the so's because so's are kind of like connecting sentences and just interesting ways of bringing your content together. Without further ado, we'll get into question number four. Let me just wrap this up. Sorry. Last thought on question number three. I just know guys, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, I think the biggest thing that most people think is that they got to go out and buy incredible camera equipment. They've got to go spend a bunch of money on audio and lights and all this kind of stuff. Literally, like I did the first ooh, probably 20 or 30 shows on my, and this is an iPhone 6, guys. That's how old my stuff is. Like I did most of my shows on an iPhone. Like you'll go back and see, like it's still the same stuff that we do now. I literally, I film all of our vlog now on my iPhone. I don't do any more of these live shows on my iPhone just because the computer system and things that we do now is a little bit more advanced, but a lot of content shot on an iPhone. And so don't worry, don't feel like you've got to go buy this expensive camera and that that's going to make you better. You're still going to be you and you're still going to deliver the content in the pace and format that you do. So if you, if you suck, you suck. If you're great, you're great. The camera's not going to change any of that. It's just going to make the system a little bit more complicated and you're going to get nervous right before because you got to set up all this stuff and make sure that it works versus just go live. The last thing that I want to say to this is create content daily. And I say that a lot around here, but it's truly the best way to get better at giving your message, getting it out there, learning what your audience wants, figuring out how to tell your story better and being able to address people in a speaking fashion, right? So what I would suggest doing is go back to question number one. And after you've built your personal branded page, go on there every single day for five minutes minimum, kind of scary for a lot of you, five minutes to 10 minutes max, uh, and just go in there and share something that you're learning that day, right? Could be a book that you read, could be how to find peace in your life. It could be how to make content on social media. It could be something about your business that you want to share. I would just say every single day, and I do it around here too, because I don't want to be the hypocrite. Every single day, get on there, hold your phone, do it live, go to Facebook live, make your video, have a good, like if you got to plug in your headset, so you got to get audio. Last thing you want to do is put your hand over the microphone and try to record it because then no one's going to be able to hear you. You'll figure out the first few are going to be a mess, but get the audio figured out with your like headset or whatever it is and talk for five minutes and get it out there and then let people say, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Or thanks for sharing. Or wow, that was terrible. I can't believe you did that. Right? Like just get it out there. And then if you want, tag me in your video because I'd love to see it. And, uh, you know, just say at and uh, tag me Eric Hammond edit. And I'd love to go see it. Give you a thumbs up or a heart or however it works out. I'd love to give you some feedback if you're open to it. I'm usually pretty nice. So, but tag me in it. I'd love to see what you had to say and just talk about your business every single day. It's like, it's the easiest way to create a vlog. And I think so many of you have thought about creating a vlog and wanting to get into a vlog. They're just not sure what to say in the vlog. And if you don't know what a vlog is, it's a video vlog. It's kind of like a journal every single day, but in the video format. Uh, and it takes a lot of effort to edit a video. Like our guys are slammed over here making our vlog once a week, yet alone every single day. So you can just have a live piece of content from you every single day that gets your message out there. It's going to help build more brand awareness. The cool thing about it is you can share it to other groups. You can tag other 
people like myself. You can tag it to your other business pages. You can get followers from other ways. So Facebook, just go live, give it a quick description and, and then pop it up there and just see how it goes. And the goal is to do it for a year. And after a year, your business is going to be in a completely different place. You're going to have a whole different skill set of communication. You're going to get new followers. You're going to really, really self-identify what your brand is all about and why you're on social media. So hopefully that advice helps you. Okay. Question number four. When talking to consumers, they think that they can get some, the same things. Oh, this is a real estate question. Okay. When talking to consumers, they think that they can get the same thing from real estate agents. How do we bring individual personal value back? Ooh, this is good. Okay. So basically the question is, is how do I stand out as a real estate agent? Just because we're talking about real estate, doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you. If you're, if you're a chiropractor, there's probably at least a dozen chiropractors in your town, if not 50 or a hundred, there's a ton of them around here. If you're a dentist, right? Like y'all clean teeth, y'all like do your thing as a dentist. If you're landscape maintenance company, if you're a painter, if you're a contractor, if you're anything but like the most world renowned brain surgeon who can only perform this one thing and you're that guy and you get paid $20 million per surgery or whoever that unique person is, there's probably a clone version of your company out there. Definitely in real estate. Right now there's 40,000 real estate agents in my county. So 100% this question relates to you, but it also relates to everything else that I've just brought up. Any service-based industry, right? You've heard them all. How do you stand out? How do you say, look, we're different. We do things different because if not, it's a race to the bottom. The only thing that you can do is lower your price. You can charge less than everybody else does and you might get a little bit more business. Somebody once said this and I love it. If you can't be the cheapest, then there's no point in being number two, right? Like that's why Walmart wins because they're usually the cheapest. They're usually the best price in town. They always are trying to cut out everybody else and be the lowest priced person in town. So if you're not number one is the being the cheapest and you're going to get all the business for being the cheapest, then you might as well be the most. And that's hard to like comprehend because like, let's say you are, I'm just thinking about this because our gardener is going to show up later today. If you're a gardener and you're mowing lawns and you charge $25 and you're always like going down to the cheapest and I guarantee there's somebody who will mow my lawn cheaper than $25 a week. If I'm not going to do it for the cheapest and like go to the most expensive, does that mean that I need to charge $10,000 to mow my lawn every single, or someone needs to charge me $10,000 to mow my lawn and that's the most expensive? No. But what it means is that you've got to provide the most value to your clients for the same amount of price they're going to pay other places, right? So most real estate agents will charge 3%. Most dentists charge the same to have their teeth uh, or to clean their patient's teeth. Most chiropractors usually have similar fees as everywhere. Unless you're going to like a unique situation in like Vegas where it's a spa and they're going to charge you like $500 for a 30 minute massage or whatever. You can take that wherever you want to go. But right, unless it's a unique situation and they're bringing the thing into a unique situation, generally most businesses charge about the same. So I had this experience this weekend. I think that this really relates well. It's not having to do with real estate. It has to do with a car wash. Okay. So took my daughter out on Saturday and we usually try to do something fun that a four-year-old's going to like to do. And she loves to go to the car wash. So we found this new car wash 10 minutes that way and car wash just opened up. It's called the three buck car wash, you know, so it's three, or not three buck, three minute car wash. Sorry. Three minutes, your car's washed. I go in there and the lady's there, you know, taking credit cards and everything. And I was like, Hey, I've never been here before. Like, tell me about your service. So she's like, okay, well, we've got a $8 option, a $10 option, a $14 option and an $18 option. So my mind typically is like, well, go to the cheapest. That's just, you know, like it's water and soap. Like what more do you need? It's not like some dude's jumping out and waxing my car while I'm in there for $18, but that would be pretty cool. So like, what do I get? You know, it's just like, okay, well, it's basically soap and water for the $8 for $10. You know, they dry it and, and they do a couple other things. And for $14, they, they shine the wheels. And for $18, they're going to put a wax coat on there. No guys are going to come out. They just spray the wax on there and they rub it in with the machine. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm like, well, I don't need the car wax today. It's just dirty from like driving around and stuff. Like, let's go with the $10 option. So for 10 bucks, I go through the car wash. It's 
a normal like drive through the tunnel. You stay in the car. My daughter's like, oh my gosh, like bubbles are everywhere, right? Like freaking out. It's awesome. So there's a ton of car washes around here that are very similar in prices. They charge anywhere between like eight and 20. Well, actually, there's one that's like 30 bucks. And I don't know how they stay in business, but they charge 30 bucks for crappy service. People are still there. So that's probably the most expensive that you can get is like that $30 for the tunnel car wash. If I were to show up and have somebody hand wash my car, obviously it gets into the several hundred dollar range. But for the most part, you go through the car wash, you come out, they dry it, you pull around, they have the little vacuums that you can pull into. There's tons of places just like this. So as I'm pulling into the car wash, a guy is like, hold down your window. Well, I'm going to get wet. What's going on? So he hands me a, a damp towel and an air freshener. And he's like, hey, here's an air freshener. It'll make your car smell better, better. Here's a damp cloth so that you can rub down the dash inside. This is a do-it-yourself kind of car wash, right? Like not drop it off and, and pick it up. So while we're in the car wash, they've given me this wet rag and I'm wiping everything off and I've got it all like clean and all the dust and crumbs and Cheerios are out of the car, right? So then we pull around, we get all the vacuums for free. Here in Southern California, it's super sunny. And when you're out vacuuming during the summer, you get all sweaty. So they built this shade thing. So there's a whole canopy over the vacuum so that you don't have to to stand in the sun and vacuum the car. While you're vacuuming the car, on each vacuum post, they have a whole bin full of towels so that you can dry off your car. Because you know that the car wash doesn't dry your car off perfectly. You open the door and all the water comes out. You roll down the window and all the water's there. So they give you free towels to use. They give you a automatic mat cleaner so you can run your mat through it. it washes it all off, cleans all the stains off the, the mats, gives you the mat back. All this is included for that eight, 10, 14 or $18 experience. Now to get this experience somewhere else, you're gonna be paying a lot more money. So the point is here that I'm getting to is provide more value than your clients are used to paying. I When I showed up to this place, I wasn't expecting the damp towel. I wasn't expecting the air freshener. I wasn't expecting the free towels. I wasn't expecting the covered vacuum cleaners. All these things were just bonuses and it cost them pennies to provide these things, but it it allowed me to see the value in going to this car wash. Even though it's further away and I'm probably gonna be paying the same amount of money, so there's somewhere closer for the same amount of money, I get more value by going there. So if you're a business providing similar results, car wash is about the same, wash your car and come out and you're done. If you're providing similar businesses to other people in that same industry as you, what can you do different than anybody else? You know, if you're a dentist, maybe you provide free whitening trays when people come and have their uh, teeth cleaned, right? If you're a chiropractor, maybe you offer a free massage to everybody that comes and gets adjusted. If you're a landscape company, maybe you offer to fertilize your client's grass once a quarter for free. Like just little things that would typically cost the consumer money to go somewhere else, right? Cost you money to have whitening done, cost you money to have a massage done, cost you money to have your lawn fertilized. But by just throwing those items in and raising the value perceived by your service is going to keep your clients coming back. So if you're a real estate agent, you're charging 3%, think about other things that you can do in your business to bring more value than all the other real estate agents out there charging that same 3%. Maybe you have a list of contractors that can help fix up that home before it's sold. Maybe you provide a free home inspection to the, the, the client who's buying the house, the buyer's agent. Maybe you provide free staging or free uh, drone video photography right? What are the things that you're going to do to stand out as a real estate agent for the same price that everybody else is doing, but bring more value? So all of you guys who are watching probably own a business, you're probably all competing with that same price and trying to race it to the bottom. What's something that you can provide different than your other industries, your other competitors are doing for the same price or maybe a hair more money. Maybe it's two bucks, right? Here's the other thing. That car wash, as I was paying my $10, she's like, for just two more dollars a month, you can have unlimited car washes for the rest of the year. Two more dollars. That's the upsell. We talk about upsells all the time and that's the upsell. For just two more dollars, it doesn't cost them any more money. 
They're running that car wash regardless if I'm there or not, right? For just two more dollars, they're gonna make two more bucks off me per month. I can come through and wash my car as often as I want to. There's a good chance I'm probably just gonna wash my car as often as I normally would have. But now two more bucks, right? So what are some things that you can upsell your clients on? What are some things that you can bring more value for the same amount of money, but perceive the value of your services as being even more? So I hope that answers that question. All right, we gotta wrap things up. We are getting over time. Guys, I love these questions. This has been a fantastic show. Keep your questions coming. If you haven't submitted a question yet, just send it to us uh, via email or get onto our Facebook page and send us a direct message. Remember, we're at the Eric Hammond. Uh, we go live every single Monday and answer you guys' top four questions of the week. Appreciate you guys showing up. Appreciate you guys being here. Forgot to cue up my outro. Uh, we're trying to make this show as, as relevant and as valuable as we can. Uh, and if you're listening to this in the podcast format, which I know this show gets distributed into a lot of different media atmospheres. If you're new to the podcast, I know we just revamped it. Go subscribe to the podcast. Go share it with somebody who could benefit from this. And, and thanks for listening no matter where you are. Bye guys. Have a happy Monday. See you guys next week. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to get these podcasts delivered to you every week as we share strategies on how to grow your business with social media. I'm Eric Hammond of the Orange Stack. We'll see you next time.